I don't know if it's a visitation of God, but it's, it's nice. It's a refreshing experience. There are ebbs and flows. My experience after 40 or so years in the, in the church is that there are ebbs and flows of God's presence. And the flows are more fun than the ebbs. So when you're in the flow, oh yeah, just get in the flow, right? That's, it's a little more fun. And when you're in an ebb, you, you, uh, you hope for another flow pretty soon. It's like waiting for a wave. You're out there paddling, surfers, waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, but here's the thing. The, those times uh, you know, of ebb, or flow, rather, can, can also pose questions. They, they, can, they can sometimes be a little bit confusing for people, and, and maybe, maybe even uh, a little bit fearful. And what I want to say to you, just sort of off the top this morning, is that's okay. That's perfectly okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wonder about things. It's even okay to think, that was kind of weird. That's okay. All right? So if you've had any of those, if you've wondered, had questions, if you've thought, that's weird, that's okay. I want to give you the freedom to do that. That really is... I think wise, it's, it's, it's biblical, it's good theology. I don't expect anybody ever just to buy into everything. Um, so I want to take a couple minutes this morning and sort of give us some sort of, uh, you know, just a, a little bit of, of, uh, of context maybe for the movement of God's Spirit and, and kind of talk about that for a minute. I think we'll look at Acts chapter 2 today. That is sort of the classic passage dealing with the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit. So if you guys would, we'll uh, pray together, and then I want to read the first few verses of Acts 2. Thank you, Lord. You are a good and loving God, and it's so so fun to be in your presence. It's so fun to be together with other people that we love with you. That's just a, a great, great thing, a great combination, and we're so thankful for all that you're doing uh, here with us, and, and just ask that you would continue that. And just open your word and give us uh, clarity and understanding this morning. In your name, amen. All right, I'm going to read Acts 2, 1 through 13. I'll put it up there. I don't know how good you guys can see that. Is it helpful or not? I don't know. Oh, wait, go back. Can you see that? If you guys had Bibles, you could just read them on your own. I, you know, I wouldn't have to do this, but I'm just saying. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed... They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galilean? Uh, let's see. Then, th- then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Cretans weren't bad. They're just from Crete, by the way. They've become bad over the years. Um, yeah. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. All right, so that's sort of the, 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 the tale. That's what happened. 
Uh, let's, let me define first, who are they? When he, talk, the whole, he says they several times, the original group. Uh, chapter 1, if we went back a little bit, uh, tells us they is in reference to the apostles. The 12 apostles, now 12 again, uh, Judas has been replaced. It's the mother of Jesus. It is the brothers of Jesus. It is some of the other women uh, presumably Mary Magdalene and maybe some others that were sort of a part of that group. So th- they is really a, a group of people that were probably the closest, uh, most committed followers of Jesus when he was alive in his bodily form. Uh, it's, it's probably not a tremendously large group. I would guess 25 to 30-ish sort of people. They have, they have gathered together in a, in a home, in a house, so that would make sense. It's not hundreds and hundreds of people. It's a small group. They're together in a house. This is not a church service per se. Uh, we don't know why they're together. Maybe they're having dinner. Maybe it's just fellowship time. It could be a prayer meeting. But it's something uh, of that nature. Now, uh, Jesus had told them just prior to his ascension into heaven, Jesus, you, get, you know the whole Easter story, crucified, resurrected, came back, made several appearances, interacted with people over a period of time, and then ultimately left them and ascended into heaven. Uh, right before he did that, he told them that this would happen. He, this is his last words to, to that group of people. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gather around him and they ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I, I, co- quick comment on that. I, again, the, the thought of the disciples and the followers of Jesus is that he would establish an earthly kingdom, that he would sort of overthrow the Roman government, restore the Jews to, to their, uh, in their mind, rightful place of leadership. Uh, and so when that didn't happen, when Jesus was crucified, they, they were kind of let down, like, oh, what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so now they're saying, oh, now we get it. Now you're going to do that. That's the question. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set for his own authority, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus not only tells them that this is going to happen, but he tells them the purpose for this, why it's going to happen, so that they'll be his witnesses. Now, so think about it. It's now a few days later. They're, they're around. Uh, they're gathered together. I don't know if... Uh, I'm assuming, I would assume that they had prayed for this to happen. Usually if Jesus speaks to you, tells you he's going to do something, you pray. God, let's, we'll do that. So that probably had prayed. They may have been praying right then. Um, I don't know if, you know, the, the disciples... They struggled with faith, like some of us do. I don't know to what degree did they believe Jesus. How, how much, you know, did, okay, some pretty amazing things have happened, but still I think they struggled. What's this going to be like? What's he really going to do? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming they, they were expecting this to happen or something to happen sometime soon, but we don't really know too much about their state of mind. What the text does tell us is that it happened suddenly. They were gathered together and it happened suddenly. So, again, my, my assumption here is it was a surprise. That they, they were not aware that at that moment this event would take place. What I want to do is take a few minutes. I won't take a long time today, but I want to look at three things. 
Um, actually, I'm only going to do, I'm going to look at two of them today. I want to look at three, but we'll look at one next week. I want to look at what happened uh, and, and, and how it is described, how what happened is described. I want to talk about the reaction of other people to what happened. And then the third thing that we'll actually talk about next week is the result of what happened, okay? Uh, so, so what happened? They, they were gathered together. Uh, you know, what took place? First thing it says is a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they heard something. It was a sound like a wind. Second thing is they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. So they, they heard something and they saw something. It wasn't fire necessarily. It was something like that. Um, let me just say a little, little parenthetical comment here. If, if you think anything when God moves, the Holy Spirit moves on people, it's weird. Uh, that's weird, okay? That's a weird thing. Let's just uh, let's call a spade a spade. That's a weird thing. Um, so just, it's okay. Uh, third thing is, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Fourth thing is, and they began to speak in their tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what happened. So let me give you a little analysis on this. Those first two items there uh, are not ac- actual descriptions. They are comparisons. Luke is the author of the, of, of the book of Acts. Luke is a, a doctor. He's a medical doctor. Um, he's very, very detailed. The, the Gospel of Luke is, is long. It's detailed. Luke is very observant. He, he spends a lot of time and effort describing things. Here he's struggling. He really doesn't know exactly how to describe what's happening. So he's making comparisons. He said, we heard something. It sounded like a, a, a wind, a big wind. We saw something. It looked kind of like tongues of fire. It separated on people. But again, those are not exact descriptions of what happened. They're his best efforts to describe something that he really has no words for. So he's making comparisons. The third thing he says there, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a little more definitive. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But we don't know exactly what that looked like. What, what happens when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. What did that person, we don't know uh, what the person or persons that were filled with the Holy Spirit, what they felt like, what was happening, what was going on in their mind, in their heart, in their spirit, in their body. Um, We don't know that. He just says, we'll we'll take him at his word that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, but we really don't know exactly what happened to them. And fourth, the most definitive item of of the list is they, they, uh, they all spoke in tongues. I'm not going to take a lot of time today to talk about speaking in tongues because it's a, it's a big subject. Maybe we'll do a study on it. I could do something at home group or something about it. I don't know. But um, I want to say this. You know, you know uh, Shane mentioned it a couple weeks ago and asked people to stand up and he would pray for them. Um, the, the gift of tongues is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, it is essentially a prayer language. It's, it's a tool to help us pray at times when anybody ever had an experience where you've not known exactly how to pray, what to pray. Anybody ever had that? You, you sense that I need to pray. So it's a tool to help us in those situations. I have found it to be a very, very helpful tool. As Shane said, it, for me personally, essential. It's essential. Essential tool. Um, but I want to make one comment on this, and that is this. 
There is a theology, there is a teaching uh, among different groups of Christians. It's not as prevalent today as it was 20 or 30 years ago, but it, but it still exists, that to be filled with the Spirit, one must necessarily speak in tongues. And I want to say that that's an errant theology. It's bad exegesis, okay? Exegesis is just, you know, tearing apart the Bible, the Word of God. It's, it's, you cannot say that because something happened once in the Bible that it's precedent that that will always happen. You cannot say that. It's, it's horrible exegesis. I'm sorry to those that ascribe to that. I'm calling you out. Um, I could point out to you about 25,000 things that happened in the Bible that were not precedent-setting. If they happened every time, the world would be chaos. Sometimes God does things, and sometimes He does them contextually for a person or persons in a place, in a time, in a setting. So to say that because they all spoke in tongues here, that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues is, is just wrong. So I want to say that because I think it causes confusion. Some of you might think, I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't speak in tongues. You probably were. Uh, again, th- th- just, just know that. that It's a good thing. I, I think it's a very helpful gift. I think it's essential. But it's, it's not the, the, the end-all, be-all. If you don't speak in tongues, we still like you. God still likes you. It's okay. And, and that's, that's the way it works. Um, so, so that's kind of my, my little... Uh, synopsis of what happened. Uh, they, they heard something. They saw something. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues. Um, that, that's what happened. I want to look at the reaction of people. Okay? What was the reaction of other people? Now, I'll, I'll, let's look at that first, and then I'll give you a little bit of context why there were people there that reacted. Um, what was their, the, the reaction of others? A crowd came together in bewilderment. Okay? Anybody ever been bewildered? Yeah, but what does that look like? You know, yeah, ah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm I, 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 bewildered. The c- crowd came together. I, I know, I, 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 I'm very familiar. I'm bewildered a lot, uh, very often. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Anybody ever been utterly amazed? A little different feeling, but still, uh, you ever seen such just amazed? Awesome, whoa, wow, uh, utterly amazed. Um, Amazed and perplexed. So now they're, they're amazed and perplexed at the same time. Uh, they asked, what does this mean? So you can be amazed and perplexed. Anybody ever had that happen? Seen some go, that's awesome and weird. So they're amazed and perplexed. Uh, some of them, not all of them, but some of them made fun and said, they're, they're drunk. <laughs> that is the only explanation I can come up with. Now, let me, let me give you what's going on here. Um, the the uh, festival, the Feast of Pentecost, is a Jewish celebration. And these people would have come to Jerusalem to celebrate that. So there were, in fact, that's why this isn't just a random event, a random occurrence. There were people from many, many different nations who all spoke different languages, had all gathered in one place to celebrate this festival. That's what happened. That's why they were there when this event happened to this group of people in this house. Now, uh, a couple things. First of all, what happened to the folks in the house m- must have been loud enough to have been heard by other people. <clears throat> Again, 
ancient community, you know, there wasn't a lot of traffic noise and things. I mean, I suppose some camels, horses, I don't know. But, uh, you know, they heard it. So if you're in a house, look, you're, on, you're in your neighborhood, guys down the street are having a party, you hear it, right? Oh, party. Let's go see what's going on. And you go down there. That's what happened. People heard this. And so they, they came to check out what it was they were hearing. Um, uh, the, the other thing I want to mention about those that showed up, and th- to me this is key, this is a very important thing, is they were God-fearing Jews. So these were not skeptics, they were not atheists, they were not cynics, they were not people who had no context whatsoever. They were God-fearing people who were very familiar with the, what we, the Old Testament, with the Scripture. They were there for religious celebration, so they were spiritual, religious people who observed this and upon observation were bewildered, amazed, perplexed, etc., etc. Some of them, you know, when you see something that would leave you in that state, bewildered, perplexed, etc., the normal thought process is to try to explain that, right? We're gonna, I'm going to figure this out. Why is this happening right now? And so the conclusion that some of them came to is, well, they're drunk. That, that's, I, I, there could be no other explanation for this. It's a little weird. Uh, they're drunk. Uh, not everybody thought that, but some of them did. So uh, to me, there's a variety of response. Every, not everybody knows what's going on, and not everybody feels the same way about it. Um, in this, in this particular instance, the, the, the initial part- participants, those that had gathered together, uh, were all filled and all spoke in tongues. It's clear to me from the rest of the New Testament, the rest of the book of Acts, and, and then especially Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 11-14, through 14, it's clear to me that that's not always the case. That sometimes people come together... Uh, and it might be, it could be, and it will be that uh, the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to a group of people and that there would be a variety of experiences take place, that not everyone would necessarily be filled, not everyone would necessarily speak in tongues at that moment. It's very, very, very possible uh, that a gathering could be together of God-fearing people, people who believe in God, understand, have different you know, beliefs and, and so forth, that the same thing would not happen to all of them. Um, again, this event was unprecedented. Nothing had happened like this before that. Today, 2,000 years later, it's, it's highly precedented. These sort of events have happened over and over and over and over again. And, and the reality is, historically speaking, Scripture on that sometimes not everyone is filled, not everyone speaks in tongues, that different people do different things. It's also very, very possible that there, might, there could be God-fearing people, Christians, believers in a room, who would uh, see something like this and be either bewildered, amazed, or perplexed. Uh, or utterly amazed, which is really another level of amazement, utterly amazed. You, c- you might have one of those reactions. And, and I, wa- I, I, I want to say that um, that is completely, completely possible. Um, 
I, I, th- I think there are, there are people, we all have different histories. We have different teachings that have been influenced our lives, different schools of thought. Um, it's very possible that someone could, could ex- see an experience like this and, and be unhappy about it, be uh, upset, even angered that, that this would happen. It's very, very likely that, that somebody could potentially ask the question, how can this be God? Why, why would God do that? Why would God do something like that? Um, I'll tell you a little story. Short story. Uh, 1980, uh, those of you that can remember 1980, it was the uh, three-year anniversary of the Vineyard Anaheim, sort of the um, foundation or whatever of the Vineyard movement. Um, Pastor John Wimber had invited a young man named Lonnie Frisbee to speak at the evening service. We had a morning and an evening service. John didn't know Lonnie. He had just met him. Lonnie Frisbee was an evangelist that was used powerfully in the Jesus movement several years prior. He had been traveling in Europe for a while, sort of off the radar, came back and just randomly showed up at the church, started attending the service. So John reached out to him, invited him over for dinner, had dinner with he and his wife. Lonnie came over for dinner, and while they were eating and talking, the, you know how God speaks to us sometimes. God spoke to John and told him to invite Lonnie to speak at the evening service that week, which would have been the third year anniversary of the church. John was a, li- a little bit uh, conflicted at that point because that was not his style. He was very protective of the flock, did not just randomly invite people in. He was very, very selective on who he would allow to speak. In the early years of the Anaheim Vineyard, Rarely did anybody but John ever speak because he just wouldn't, you know, how the, the, every traveling guy that goes through town, people sign him up. John didn't do that. He was just very, he didn't, he, he just wouldn't do that. But he felt God was telling him to have this guy come and share. Didn't want to do it really, but tried to be obedient. And so he did. He invited him to come in and speak at the evening service. And that service now has been very well documented. It's in a number of books. Uh, it's subject of at least two documentaries. Uh, it's, you know, and been retold uh, anecdotally uh, time and time again, and I suppose the legend has grown. Um, we were there, Donna and I were there. Um, I, you know, Lonnie's taught, the, and, and he was, uh, he's weird. He's a weird guy. He wasn't like, uh, those of you who were here a few weeks ago when my friend Tim was here, he wasn't like that. He didn't, there was no overt manifestation of God's spirit or presence on him he's speaking he's just kind of quirky he's funny and he would he'll tell like jokes that aren't very funny and they go and laugh at his own joke he's just a weird little guy uh and I mean that quite honestly he's a little tiny guy or was and um you know so I could uh, to be honest I, I have no idea what the message was on I couldn't for the life of me recollect what he spoke on uh it was very it was common practice at our service like our service here today, to have a time of prayer at the end and say, hey, anybody who like prayer today can come up and we'll pray for you. And um, so at the end of the service, Lonnie did that. He said, uh, can we have everybody stand? And then he invited everyone 25 years old and under to come up to the front for prayer. Now, the church was three years old. Uh, the Anaheim Vineyard had, had uh, fairly, uh, you know, kind of rapid growth. When it began three years prior on Mother's Day of 77, there were about 100 people present. On this particular night, three years later, there were about 700 people present. So we'd grown from 100 to 700 in about 
uh, three, that three-year time frame. Very, very young congregation. So when he said 25 or under, you're talking about somewhere in the two-thirds to three-quarters of the congregation category. Three, four, 450 people came forward for prayer because he, he invited them to come. When they came forward, Lonnie basically just said, come Holy Spirit. And uh, what happened next uh, was similar to how I imagine what happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, I didn't, there was no fire on people, uh, and, and there was no particular sound like a wind. But many people were filled with the Holy Spirit and did begin to exhibit various manifestations of that. Some people, a lot of people began to shake and tremble in different ways. A lot of people, many people began to cry and weep. And some actually knelt down or laid down and sobbed on the floor. Uh, some people, and I had, at that day, had never seen this before. I have seen it since. Some people actually fell over, like they passed out, just fell over. Um, one young man who, again, very famously now, was about where I am. Uh, you know, you speak, people came up, it was crowded. He fell over and knocked over a microphone stand, exactly like this one, these same 58 microphones, knocked it over, he's laying on the ground, began speaking in tongues over the microphone. So it's now being uh, broadcast across the room, in, in, you know, on the loudspeakers. And it was, it was a few minutes before anyone had the presence of mind to turn that off. So, so uh, uh, probably because the sound man was under 25. I mean, everybody was, really. I mean, so there was nobody there. The board was, you know, no one's manning the ship at this point in time. Um, uh, now, again, I want to give you a little bit of context here. I was there. I was under 25, and I was up front. And I was in, I, I was, uh, at this stage, I have grown cynical. Uh, that's a confession over the years. At that stage of my life, I really was not cynical. I was very open to anything and everything God had for me, and I was in full receiving mode. I I wanted it all. And I actually uh, felt uh, and experienced nothing. It was nice. It was sort of a fun thing to be at. I didn't shake, didn't fall, didn't speak in tongues. I didn't do any of that. I kind of waited. People prayed for me. Nothing really happened. And so finally I went home. Um, uh, I believed it. I believed it was real. I thought that was wild. Uh, again, I'd never seen anything quite like it, but I sensed God's presence. It felt good. It was like, this is a, this is a real thing. You know, I felt real, but nothing more than that happened. Um, uh, here, here's part of the story that is not often uh, repeated, though. Get the inside scoop here. There were a lot of people there who were not happy about what was going on. And many people left including, and this is off the record, uh, the older brother, who is a very good friend of ours, of the kid laying on the ground with the microphone speaking in tongues, his older brother was ticked, and he left. And uh, one guy stood up and, you know, kind of ceremoniously slammed his Bible shut and walked out the door and never came back. So... I'm sharing that with you guys to say this, that there was a wide variety of responses to that event, okay? Um, Here's my perspective on this. 
We are all unique individuals. Every single one of us is unique. We're all wired differently. We all respond to things differently, right? The things that make us laugh, the things that make us cry, it's all different. Anybody ever seen a movie? Somebody tells you that is the most hilarious, it's the funniest movie I've ever seen. And you go and you see that movie and you go, that is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah. So, we, we're, we, we not, you know, it's different for different people. I, it's the same with God. I really think our response to the presence of God is also different. Some people are very demonstrative. Some people are not. In, in 38 years or so of, of this deal, I'll just be, you know, blunt. I have seen a lot. I've seen pretty much, I mean, I won't say everything, but seems like it. And uh, I, I just have never had, I've, one time in my life I had a, a kind of experience where I laughed and it was I, God's presence, you know, but that's one time in 38 years. The rest of the time, I mean, I cry sometimes. You know, you guys see me cry. I cry a lot, but that's really it. That's, I've never had any of those other things like that happen, ever, in my life. Uh, I know people that, that that happens to them when they get up in the morning. I mean, they just, you know, they, they put on a worship tape and <laughs> next thing you know, it's just... So everybody's different. Everything's different. Um, I just want to try to bring some context and perspective to, to what God's doing and, and clear up some confusion and, and answer... Some questions. So let me give you real quick. I'm sorry, it's late, but I think it'll be worth it. Real, real, real fast. Our response. What do we do about this? What do we do? What do we do when God moves and it's confusing like that? Here's a couple things I think. One thing I've learned is don't judge someone else's experience because you haven't had it. This is my cynical side coming out. It's very easy for me to to look at somebody, and I'm I'm being honest and confessing. I'm not proud of this. I'm sharing it because I think it'll help you. It's very easy to look at something and go. Well, that person is just trying to draw attention to themselves. They're just doing that so people will see them and think they're more spiritual. They're faking it. They're making that up. It's really easy to do that, but I would encourage you strongly not to do that. I don't think we can judge people. First of all, we shouldn't judge people at all. That's not our job. Okay, let's just put that on the table. Second of all, I don't think we can judge one person's experience because we haven't had it. People grieve differently. Anybody ever notice that? You go through a difficult time, you grieve differently. People celebrate differently. There's different responses. And and we shouldn't judge someone else's experience because it's not ours. So if you've ever been even tempted to do that, my encouragement to you is not to do that. To allow um, the better angels of our nature to rise up and say, God's touching that person and I'm blessed and thankful for that and that's not happening to me, but I'm thankful for them. Um, Second thing, and this is, I think, a big one for me, for us, for you guys. You don't have to do anything, okay? You don't have to do anything. Uh, if you never shake, fall down, laugh, what, I don't care. It's fine. You don't have to do anything. Don't try to do anything. Don't, do, don't feel like you're left. You don't have to do anything. If you do, that's fine. It's great. But you don't have to do anything. You just don't. There's, 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 there, it doesn't mean you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. It just doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't fall over on the ground. It doesn't mean that. Okay? It just doesn't mean that. Everybody is different, and you don't have to do anything. Third thing, another biggie in my mind is, don't seek an experience, seek God. Again, I've seen this kind of movement of spirit now, I don't know, more than a few times. And the one mistake I've seen made over and over and over again is people begin to seek after this experience. And it's a fatal mistake. It really is. 
It really is. Nothing will take you off track in your journey with God quicker than seeking after any experience. So, as, 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 there you go. So as, as, as directly as I can speak to you, as, as you know, I'm not, I, I don't give you a lot of direction, but as directly as I can speak, I say, seek God and allow God to do what He wants. Don't seek after something. Okay, because it will take you away from what God might have for you. So don't seek God. Seek an ex- don't seek experience. Seek God. Last thing, just relax. Okay, just relax. It's all going to be okay. Um, I really think I'm excited. Look, I shared with you guys. I know we're taking a lot of time today. Nehemiah, you remember they were in a they were in the pit. It was bad, 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 and God came and did good things. I think that's the way it works. I just think the last few years for us have been hard. I think some of us that have been here, it's been, you know, like tilling hard soil. You know what I mean? It's just been rough. And so, yay, a flow, no ebb. God's good. He's doing good things. Just relax. Don't worry about it. Don't try to make it happen. Don't do it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy the ride. Relax. It'll be okay. Uh, next week, I, I want to talk a little bit about the outcome, what, they, what happened after the fact, because I think that's really important for us too. But that's sort of my contextual little perspective on that event. I am wide open. If anybody has further questions, uh, you know, needs input, I'm very, very happy to talk with you, meet with you, sit down, have a cup of coffee with you. As some of you know, uh, for $2.95, that's the price of a Vente Americano, I would be happy to give you my time. Why don't you guys stand up? Hey, uh, Cindy, would you come up here for a little bit? I just want to take, I know it's late, but let's pray. I, I hate to bail without giving you a chance for prayer this morning. Uh, I, I just think there's a couple people who maybe have been feeling uh, left out. Like, you know, hey, I want that. So, if that's you, would you, ministry team folks, would you guys come up? If you've been feeling just left out, maybe not even by this, maybe just in life in general, feeling left out. I, I would welcome you to come and, and let these guys pray for you today. They're, they're nice. Oh, Wally wants people to go to him. Don't go to Shane and Sarah. Go to Wally. Uh, come on, let me pray for you. And then just as we close, last thing, if, if you're, there's anything else going on in your life today, it's always our policy. We'd be happy to pray for you. So if you've got anything else, you'd just like somebody to agree with you in prayer for a minute. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just one second, one minute. These guys would love to do that. So I'm going to close, and then you can come up for prayer, and you're dismissed.